Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 176. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary back with another episode. I guess it's fitting that this is episode 176 because it's 1776. You know what happened on July 4, which was yesterday. So hopefully you enjoyed yourself a nice little 4th of July and are now going to spend some time with me as we get to talk some New York Jets football here in a little bit of a quiet time. But I want to get into the doubters. I want to get into some audio files as well as your voicemails. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors cannonballs no not those cannonballs this summer it's not about those cannonballs it's about making a splash with our friends over at manscaped prep for the barbecue season by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs the summer has ever seen when you're at the cookout let the meat speak for itself with manscaped's performance package 4.0 it's time to get ready and not so sweaty by going to manscaped.com and use my code jets20 that is j-e-t-s-2-0 for 20 percent off and free shipping pick yourself something nice up over at manscaped really appreciate you guys checking that out helps me out a lot appreciate all the love and support there okay So why I want to start with the haters, the doubters of which there are many is because I kind of like the doubters. I I, I like uh, being not necessarily under the radar because obviously this New York Jets team is very much so not under the radar. Uh, They have a ton of media attention and a ton of media hype for the first time in a really long time, probably since, you know, going into the 2011 season. Obviously, we know 2011 didn't end great. They missed the playoffs. They went eight and eight. But 2010, they were fresh off their second AFC championship game in a row. They were on hard knocks. They were a team that was in prime time a few times. They had some national attention and then that kind of went away and they were bad for a very long time. But their newfound love or appreciation is very, I, I think, well-deserved when you consider just how you know poor they've been for a long time. And now that there's uh, some legitimate hype around them, it's warranted. But with that hype, there are still definitely your detractors, which is, once again, okay, you're not going to be able to please everybody. But the first, I have two main examples that I want to bring up. One is uh, from Get Up on ESPN. The other is from Fox Sports 1. So you'll take them with a grain of salt. But the first one comes from a Jets fan in Alan Hahn. He was asked if he sees the New York Jets making the playoffs. And he said, listen, I've been following this team for 40 years. I've seen the Mud Bowl. I've seen the fake spike. I've seen Rich Kotite. I've seen Vinny Testaverde's Achilles, Brett Favre's bicep, the butt fumble, Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic in week, thir- uh, week 17, just needing one lousy win to make the playoffs. I've seen all this stuff. So you know what my answer is to the question? The more likely thing, because as a Jets fan, you always expect the worst. The answer, of course, is more than likely not to make the playoffs. So you're a coward is what I'm hearing. You, you just want to go along because you don't want to get your feelings hurt because then maybe just maybe you'll actually care about something and think about something and you might get let down. That's no way to live. And I know you've been burned by this team before. Obviously, you just listed off a bunch of examples, but you're not allowed to have legitimate excitement going into the 2023 season after not that long ago, like, one that was left off this list that all Jet fans who've you know been around that at least the last couple of years and 
you know, my generation of Jet fans that lived through the Todd Bowles, Adam Gase era, more specifically the Adam Gase era of New York Jets football, the toxicness of the 2019 and 2020, specifically 2020 season. You don't deserve to, you know, go into this season with a little bit of optimism for a change. Instead, you're just going to focus on, well, all these bad things happened in the past. So the only way to predict the future is to just say the past is going to repeat itself. What about the context of some of those things? Has any one of those Jets teams listed off have had have they had anywhere close to what the quarterback play could look like going into the 2023 season for the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers? No, even with Brett Favre, Brett Favre, guess what? Before he got hurt, the Jets were eight and three and they were fighting for, you know, a number one seed in the conference. It was they beat the number one seed. In fact, the Tennessee Titans at that point, an undefeated team. They were what, 10 and 0 when the Jets beat them back in 2008, late in that season. They got off to this incredible start and the Jets went in their building and won. And unfortunately, an injury derailed the, the end of the season, but I hate the the trying to make these one-to-one comparisons based off past history. You can't. Circumstances are different every single time. And if now's not the time for you as a Jet fan to be excited about a season, then you just never will be. And I will never choose to be that pessimistic or that miserable. That's the only way. Miserable, I think, is better. Pessimistic implies that you're going to negative spin that. That's just miserable. Right there. And I'm not a blind optimist either. I think that you have to be critical uh, and there are fair critiques to make of this team and maybe it doesn't work out, but I can't possibly fathom going through and watching just garbage football for really what 12 years in a row, pretty much. And then your first real hope in a long, long time to be a playoff team, you can't get excited about it because of you know, a, a couple of things in your history that you've seen as a fan, get out of here. That is such a terrible way to look at or go into an NFL season. I'm going to be excited. And guess what? If it doesn't work out and if they don't win, specifically if they don't make, uh, make the playoffs, I will be extremely disappointed and I'd be extremely upset. But guess what? I'm going to go into this season with some expectation because I want to have fun watching my football team again. And we saw glimpses of that last year. There were some really fun moments. The Jets were over 500 for a long time. They started their year seven and four. There were some big wins early on in the season. And we know, unfortunately, how things ended for that team. But you saw little glimpses of that. And there's too much talent on this roster outside of Aaron Rodgers for you not to be excited about. And the difference between uh, the 2008 Jets uh, with Brett Favre and this year's Jets is the amount of young talent who was just, you know, fresh off a, a draft class. Um, and they were still a pretty veteran heavy team at, at that point in 2008. Like you bring in Damian Woody in free agency, Alan Fanica, Calvin, uh, Calvin Pace. You had uh, Brian Thomas and Sean Ellis uh, and you bring in, uh, well, that was eventually a year or so down the line, you know, Bart Scott and Jim Leonard and stuff like that. And there were some younger players, like obviously uh, Revis and Harris were two of those younger guys and Mangold and uh, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. But the the Jets having young and exciting pieces at the skill positions is really the biggest thing that is uh, different, in my opinion, than uh, the last time that the Jets had this success. So if you can't, possibly find your way into being excited about the 2023 season then i like i 
would expect this answer from you know ESPN when they get really clickbaity at times, but for coming from a Jet fan, someone who is from New York, lives in New York, like that's so that's so garbage. That is such a terrible, terrible outlook on what's supposed to be a fun and exciting season. So uh, if that's how you want to look at it, be my guest. But um, I think that's a terrible way to look at the season. And the second part of this, right, is uh, Skip Bayless. Shouldn't be surprised that someone like Skip Bayless would talk about clickbait and just ridiculous opinions. Said that He recently said on his show that Aaron Rodgers is the most overrated player in sports in sports. And one of the biggest things is because Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl, which I hate how I've said this many times on the show, but I hate how the bar has since moved really because of because of Tom Brady. Like, let's be honest here. Uh, Brady and Belichick winning all those Super Bowls. It's not good enough now that you could, you know, that you won a Super Bowl or won a championship in the NBA or whatever. It's you have to have multiple, which is it's so hard to win in these leagues and to discredit winning a Super Bowl is just is just nuts, but the most overrated player in sports is a really hilarious take when the person saying this opinion is a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, which obviously, like Dak Prescott is one of the more uh, overrated quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. That team is always overrated uh, year after year after year, and you want to talk about, you know, if you want to hold... Super Bowls as the standard, a team that's approaching 30 years without winning one. Uh, how are you going to get on a guy who's won one in, in tw- Jan- or February of 2011? That's too long ago for you. But apparently the mid to late 90s isn't far enough ago. When was the last time they won? 95, 96, somewhere around then. That's not a long enough time, 28 years. That gets the bridge. Aaron Rodgers, most overrated. Here's some overrated numbers from Aaron Rodgers. Ninth all-time in passing yards, fifth all-time in passing touchdowns, second all-time in passer rating. And he has his flaws. I'm not saying that he's you know, in that same tier as a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or uh, you know, Elway or Montana or however you want to cultivate these lists. But to pretend that Aaron Rodgers isn't a top Eight quarterback in the NFL in NFL history at worst, and who knows? Maybe he's not going to be MVP. Aaron Rodgers, self a four time MVP, by the way. Aaron Rodgers, a couple of years removed from a forty five touchdown season, which, again, in context with some of the numbers that Jets quarterbacks have put up, if he did anything close to that, I they'd build a statue for him at MetLife Stadium, but. Yeah, 37 touchdowns two years ago, 48 three years ago. He's gone over 40 touchdowns three times in his career. He's gone over 30 touchdowns one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in his career. Again, four-time MVP, uh, 10-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, all 2010s team. Offensive player of the year in 2011. How are you going to discredit that? Because his teams had failures. In some of those games, right, where his teams didn't win in the postseason, he still put up solid numbers. Maybe not the San Francisco game, uh, uh, the last playoff game he played in Green Bay. 
you know, 20 of 29, 225 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 13-10 loss. That's tough, especially at home with the, you know, coming off an MVP season. But how about out dueling Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game in the 2020 season, but losing because your coach is a moron? He threw for 346 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. 101.6 passer rating. Lost the game to Tom Brady, who had three picks in that game. That's not good enough. Or throwing three touchdowns against Atlanta in the 2016 season in the NFC Championship game. 287 yards there in a loss. He gets the blame because the defense allowed 44 points. Or about the defense allowing 37 to San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. Bizarre. Don't you think? I mean, there, you, yeah, there are some not so great uh, example. There are some tough performances from him, but there's also pretty damn good ones and some losses. San Francisco has his number in the in the playoffs in the NFC, but there's some games where he put up some really big numbers in the playoffs as well and lost. How about you? You want to go back go back to one of his first seasons starting in, in his second season starting the league in 2009. He lost a game. In the playoffs, where he went for 423 yards and four touchdowns with 121.4 rating. Why? Because the defense stunk. They allowed defense allowed 51 points to Arizona. He put up 45 but lost. But you can't give that context. God forbid, no, it's just all Aaron Rodgers' fault why they, you know, weren't able to win a second one. It's stupid. It, it is absolutely stupid. But I, I like that because I want this Jets team to be a team that proves people wrong. Doubt him. Doubt Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead. He's washed. He's done. He's finished. Okay, sure. The Jets, just because in the past they haven't been able to uh, get over the hump, that's going to be the same mindset this year. That's lazy. That's like the same take that, oh, you know, you're drafting a quarterback from this school. Well, there hasn't been one yet who's made in the league. So, like Ben Roethlisberger from... Miami of Ohio, and uh, he had Russell Wilson from, you know, where would he go? In, in Wisconsin and was NC State was the other one, I believe. Uh, Texas Tech, Pat Mahomes. Like, there's so many examples of quarterbacks, you know, coming out of nowhere. What about Deshaun Clemson before Deshaun Watson? How many examples are there? Like, I don't know. I, I think it, that that is the most lazy analysis of, oh, they haven't done it yet or this hasn't happened, so... That's going to be the the answer where just taking in the full context of the present isn't enough. But anyway, let him down. That's what I say. Let him down. Let's get into some audio files. We have a few to get into today. The first is uh, from Michael Carter discussing what it's like to go against Aaron Rodgers in practice audio courtesy of the New York Jets. A lot of people have talked about the effect Aaron Rodgers has had on the offense so far, rightfully so. But from your perspective, how much can he help the defense just by going up against him in practice? I think it, like it's crazy. It's really like invaluable. Um, just what what I've my, me personally, I've been able to to get from him, and then um, you know what I kind of hear him talking about with everybody else, just how um, you know I guess you know sometimes when we're disguising things and like how he sees it, because you know high level quarterbacks can. You know, there's tells in, in everything you do and then how to be, 
you know, better at those things, how to be better at uh, and coverage what he's looking at, how to really trick a, a really good quarterback um, to thinking he's got one read when he really doesn't and, and all those things. So, it, um, you know, it gets us and then, uh, you know, we just got to take what we learn from him, take these these learning lessons and stuff, you know. Um, but I feel like it's, it's invaluable for sure. Agree. Could not agree more with Michael Carter's take there. I think for any team, if you have a strong defense, a strong offense, whatever, it's only going to help the opposing side of the ball. It's competition. It's iron sharpens iron, right? We've seen and heard those cliche uh, quotes before, but it's the truth. There's a reason why NFL coaches say it all the time is because it's true. And for a defensive back, a young defensive back like Michael Carter II, in order to get that experience and seeing and going against an Aaron Rodgers every day, well, that's going to make life easier when you have to go against Jalen Hurts and when you have to go against, you know, Pat Mahomes during the season. The, the Jets play some good quarterbacks on the schedule. Uh, it's not a walk in the park. So when you're going against the guy who is as good as Aaron Rodgers, you're getting the practice against an all-time great. That's only a good thing. It, it helps not only the offense. Everyone's going to, you know, assume that. Oh, well, that's going to elevate Garrett Wilson and the the wide receivers and the tight ends and the running backs and the offensive line, which is all true, by the way. It is. But the defense is going to be impacted by it as well. Number one, going up against the, like the, the practice point that is brought up there uh, from Michael Carter. But how about for the actual in-game stuff? That's an even better example because they're not going to be on the field nearly as much. How many times last year did the Jets offense go three and out and punt it right back and put their defense on the field? The Jets did nothing to help that defense last year, and they were still elite. They were still an elite unit. They were fantastic last year. So I 100% agree with Michael Carter. I think it is tremendous that Aaron Rodgers is here and going to be helping out uh, not only the offense, but the defense as well. Next up is a quote from Jamie and Sherwood, linebacker, Converted safety to linebacker Jamie and Sherwood. A tad on the controversial side, I guess, because I saw some negative takes on it. I personally don't have any issue with the quote. We'll listen to it, and I'll react to it on the other side. From a cerebral perspective, where do you feel like you are as an NFL linebacker again because you had to make the transition? Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to, like, rank myself amongst other people. Like I said, I only have 25 snaps. There's people who play every game, every week, you know. So, I'm mean, just say, like, I'm on the, I'm at the bottom, you know. And I'll just say is, you know, uh, a wolf that's climbing the mountain is always hungrier than the wolf on top of the mountain. So, you know, when I get my shot to this year, you know, it all comes to life. So, people are looking at that and saying well, he's towards the bottom or I'm at the bottom. He's saying, oh, my God, he thinks he's the worst linebacker in the league. No, Captain Literal Pants, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that there's a lot of room for growth and development because it's all new to him. And he hasn't really done it at this level, which is why, you know, and it's funny that I am I have to put myself in a spot where I'm defending Jimmy and Sherwood here, even though I've been a big advocate of the Jets bringing back Juan Alexander and why I think that would be a good idea for this football team. Uh, but when looking specifically at this quote for Sherwood, I have no issue with him taking this route. You, some players are going to be more, uh, oh, I believe I'm the best um, you know, linebacker in football, and people love that answer. So, yep, that's alpha. You got to be able to, you know, you, th you manifest it. You think you're the best, and then th that confidence level means you're the best. And I get that, and some players are going to be like that, but also you're going to have some guys who are a little bit more on the humble side, and that's okay. 
I think it's it would be boring if everyone was the same and answered the questions, you know, with the same uh, either, I don't know if bravado is the right word, but confidence or uh, a little bit more uh, on the humble side. And if that's how Jamian is, I want him to be true to himself. I don't want him to be, pretend that he's something that he's not. In his eyes, he has a way to go, but he's hungry to get himself to that top. That's a fine answer. I don't know how anyone could possibly uh, have any sort of issue with that answer uh, coming from our guy, Jamian Sherwood. I don't get it. I really don't. I really don't. Uh, but for some reason, people took that uh, and ran with it as that that Sherwood's not uh, that co- he's not confident. This is it was a terrible quote, and I, I, I don't think so at all. Again, everyone's going to have you know a different way of carrying themselves. But I, I to me, I took it as he's he wants to work him his way up to that to get to that point. He doesn't have that experience right now. To me, that sounded self-aware. I, I, that didn't sound like uh, a guy who doesn't believe in himself. To me, that sounded like a guy who was uh, pretty self-aware. Next up is a quote from Darrell Revis, who was on the Jake Asman show. And love, just wanted to shout out our guy, Jake Asman, again. It was awesome to for not only Darrell Revis, but to get Joe Klecko on. And yeah, there was some drama with it last week, unfortunately. But uh, Jake Asman... Uh, asked Darrell Revis, uh, uh, what what's a positive of Aaron, having Aaron Rodgers on the on the team? So let's hear Darrell's answer and go from there. You obviously played with Tom Brady, so you know what an all time great quarterback could do for a football team from a Jet perspective, right? Can Aaron Rodgers come in with a team that won seven games last year, had a top five defense? Can he make everyone around him better? Even defensive guys who aren't on that side of the field when he plays, can he make this entire organization better now? That he's at quarterback. Absolutely. He has so many tangibles in this game that um, you just marvel over, you know, in a sense. When you turn on the film, Aaron Rodgers has always proven and shown that he's one of the best to ever do it. And in my experience playing with the best ever and, and Tom Brady, as a defense, you rest a little bit more. Coming from the Jets, I was playing about 70 to 80 snaps. Our defense was and we were. And playing with Tom is, is a significant boost for the team and organization in general and you know I think we were playing about 50 to 55 snaps with with Tom Brady so those are the tangibles that I'm talking about that if you have a franchise quarterback these are some of the type of things they bring um, to an organization there you go they're not going to be on the field as much they'll be better rested which we know how much the Jets defense specifically on the line they like to rotate their guys to keep them fresh now their snaps coming down because the offense is going on longer sustained drives and not just going on these quick three and outs is going to make a world of difference. If the the Jets will probably, the defense will regress in one area specifically that I think, which is health. I think they're, they got very, very lucky last year that the defense stayed really, really healthy. And I think guys, you know, just regression to the mean uh, I, I would think that the defense is unfortunately due for a couple of injuries, but they have pretty good depth at, at corner and on the line linebacker and safety. I still question a little bit, but how they'll be able to sustain that and how I think they'll be just as good, if not better of a unit, even with the potential for injuries is they'll be better rested. They're not going to have to be on the field. They're not going to have to, how much pressure was on that jets defense last year? That's a, a good thing that I want to bring up because when you look at, you know, the down the stretch specifically, the amount of points that their defense gave up 
and that they still unfortunately lost games is absolutely insane in a modern NFL. Post-bye week, the Jets' defense allowed 10 points to the New England Patriots in a loss. Allowing 10 points and losing is demoralizing. Uh, They allowed... 10 to Chicago in a win, 27 to Minnesota in a loss. Okay, you, you give up 27 points, you lose, fine. 20 to Buffalo in a loss. If you hold the, the Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to 20 points and you lose, that's deflating. Detroit Lions to 20 points in a loss. Jacksonville Jaguars to 19 points in a loss. Seattle Seahawks to 23 in a loss. And Miami to 11 in a loss. And that's not, if you want to go back even further, earlier on in the year, uh, 22 to New England in a loss. If the Jets scored 22 points, which is league average, in every single game that they lost, they would have added, right? Well, they had had a tie with New England, so let's not count that. Let's do post bye week. One, two, three, four, five more. <laughs> they would have won five more games. Five. That just shows how bad they were defensively, uh, offensively, excuse me, and how much this team relied on their defense to keep them in these games and to win these games. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but you would think the offense improves, which is why uh, people are predicting the Jets to win 11-12 games this year. That's that's exactly it. (laughs) Anyway. All right, it is time for the voicemails now. We'll close out with a couple of phone calls. First up, we're going to go to Jerry Jett, who uh, is unfortunately a little bit concerned about another team from New York and how could, could you compare that to something that the Jets could be going through? Matt O'Leary, this is Jerry Jett, the Massapequa Mauler. Matt, Can the New York Jets be like the New York Mets? I hope not. Because let's face it, Matt, kind of the same thing. Steve Cohen and my Mets went for it all, signing Verlander, getting all these guys, $355 million payroll, and now we got our beloved Jets coming in, slashing salaries, Getting Aaron Rodgers, every Woody's all in. Uh, is it possible that the Jets could be like the Mets? I hope not. I sure hope not. Just wanted your thoughts about it. Maybe you could put that into your new show. Thanks, Matt. Jerry, jet out. Yeah, unfortunate situation for, I mean, I, like Jerry, am a a fan of the New York Mets, and obviously their season hasn't gone very, very well, Um, specifically because some of their older players like Scherzer and Verlander haven't pitched to what they were uh, expected to at this point. But I don't fault Steve Cohen for trying to go for it. I mean, there were, uh, if you want to talk about other options, right, for the starting pitchers, uh, Rodon, who the Yankees signed, I can't believe we're doing some baseball talk. Rodon, who for the Yankees signed, hasn't pitched this year. Uh, Bassett, who they let go, has been streaky. He's been uh, up and down there. There hasn't really been this great. And DeGrom, who they let go, had Tommy John surgery a few starts into this season. It's going to be out the rest of this year and probably all of next year as well. So they really didn't have 
a whole lot of options with some of their uh, decisions. More so on the starting pitching. If you want to get into the the bullpen and not adding more arms after Edwin Diaz goes down, probably a different conversation. But um, to compare that to the New York Jets, I, I guess, sure. But the Jets also have more young talent. And I think that's, you know, they, they were very obvious a – a team that needed a quarterback last year and they're bringing a lot of those things you know back but with the addition of that new quarterback who yes is a veteran but still has something to prove and a lot of people believe has something left in the tank even with some of the swaps like the the Verlander in for DeGrom like the Mets ran back a very similar team now they won 101 games the year before so I understand why they did that but I don't think it's a one-for-one comparison. I understand the concern, and sure, obviously, like I guess there is a world where that happens, but that's not the mindset that I'm going into this season with. Uh, and I don't fault you know, the team coming for spending money. That's all you could ask your owner to do is spend the money that you know they believe is appropriate in order to try and, w- and win a championship. It's not going to work for the, the Mets this year, but could it work for the Jets? I mean, it's a it's a salary capped sport, so it's a it's a little different. They are going to be under the salary cap, so um, I, I don't think it's a one for one comparison. So I wouldn't be concerned about it. Let's close out with PG from Long Island, who wants to get his opinion in on some of the Darrell Rivas stuff. Hello, Matt. This is Patrick Gordon, PG from Long Island. Uh, I'm calling about Darrell Rivas. I understand he had a great career, a number of years where he was all pro, but what I don't understand is why people forget how how he left, how he was you know, hard with the negotiations, forced the, forced the trade, went to a bitter rival and won a Super Bowl there, and then when he came back to the Jets, he came back out of shape, afraid to tackle, not willing to put his body on the line, and I think Joe Klecko is better. I think uh, Revis, you know, yeah, he was great. He was great, but he wasn't a great, great Jet. He was not a, you know, especially the way he came back, out of shape, fat, not willing to tackle. So I'm not sure why. Uh, and then his recent events, his recent actions actually kind of just uh, puts, puts the icing on the cake uh, of what he really is. So those are my thoughts anyway. Good show. Love listening to you. Thanks very much. Yeah, you know, uh, PG, I I agree with uh, the part where you're you're saying his mo- his recent actions. I, I don't like how he handled the uh, Joe Klecko comments and Nick Mangold comments on Twitter. I really don't. I think that was uh, in poor taste. And I know that he went on Jake's show and and tried to uh, you know bring light to why he was upset. I think that was extremely petty. I, I I'm with you there. Where I. I disagree with is the one I, I think Revis is better than than Klecko. Klecko is extremely versatile. He played defensive tackle, nose tackle, defensive end. But is he a top three player of all time at that position? Revis is a top, in my opinion, a top three corner, uh, at worst top five corner uh, in NFL history. And you know, at, at either defensive tackle or defensive end, uh, I don't have Klecko as a top five in in either of those all time, and that's not a slight. Again, Klecko is deservedly going into the Hall of Fame this year. He absolutely is a Hall of Famer. Um, there's no doubt about that. He played his entire, you know, or most of his career. He might have finished with 
did he finish with Indianapolis? I'm sorry. That's be- it was before my time. He might have did one one year in Indy, if I'm not mistaken. He did in 1988. Um, but with four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro for for Joe and for Darrell Revis, a seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, uh, a, a Super Bowl champion. Unfortunately, it was with the New England Patriots, uh, all 2010s team. Um, and he was traded. It, it's a traded him. It's not like he demanded a, a trade at that point. He, you know, the Jets had an opportunity to sign him in 2014, and they didn't. Idzik didn't want to pay up the money. He would have. He it was well known that he would have came back to the New York Jets, and he did a year later. He signed a one year prove it deal with New England. He won a Super Bowl, and for the first 15 games of 2015, Darrell was was great. He had a really bad game, the final game of the season. And then 2016 was absolutely terrible. You're not going to get any argument out of me in, in 2016, but he was a Pro Bowler in 2015. He got crushed in week uh, in week 17 or the final week of the year. But he, uh, other than that final game, he was very very good uh, for for the Jets. He was a, a Pro Bowl player. So, um, do I think he handled it completely wrong? Yeah, I I do, I do. And he obviously he didn't like that. Joe Klecko made a comment about him not getting back to him uh, in front of other Hall of Famers. And I wasn't there. None of us were there. So we don't know if it was uh, said in a serious tone or joking mode or what. But obviously it rubbed Darrell the wrong way. And I still I agree that I think he handled it extremely, extremely poorly. But um, I I don't think you could discredit what he actually did on on the field uh, comparatively. I I don't I don't think it's particularly close. I think it's Darrell one and Joe Klecko two. Um, for the Jets' best defensive players in their history. But that's just me. I'm not going to, you know, you're more than welcome to your opinion, uh, Pat, and everyone else in here. Um, I, I think a little harsh on Darrell for coming back, but he had one of the best careers a corner's ever had uh, in the NFL. So that's going to do it for me on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Jets. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary, and I'll catch you next time.